You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Hey, Leveling Up listeners, just a quick heads up that our YouTube channel is continuing to grow. So just type in Leveling Up Eric Sue on YouTube and you should find it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and you'll get more videos over there. And without further ado, back to the episode. This next session is with Neil Patel and yours truly during the Leveling Up Founders private event that we did. This is a session where Neil and I are answering questions from the crowd and also people from the audience are also answering other people's questions as well. So it's very much a mastermind type of environment. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. If you guys were to scratch everything, start fresh tomorrow without any of the leverage from your current business, you want to hit a million fastest. Which industry and what will you do? Million revenue or million followers? Revenue. But why do you need a million dollars? But but going back to the, I'll answer the question, but why <laughs> does it have to be a million dollars? When I was single, are you married? Yes. Okay, that's different. But yeah. when I was single, <laughs> I lived off of $3,000 a right. month. That right. was it. And I didn't even try to save money, just $3,000. When I first met him, he lived in like a studio in Seattle. So this yeah. is a true wow. story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why people need more than that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you meet someone and then they're like, well, I got to put my clothes somewhere. And then that changes everything. But if I want to get a million dollars, you know, starting from scratch, I'd probably go into iBanking, private equity, hedge funds, one of those spaces, probably not what you want to hear. Sorry, not money driven, but more so what industry would you be in that you are passionate about or that you're super like, this is going to be my industry? Hedge funds, private equity, <laughs> investment banking. I'm passionate, because you're asking what's the quickest way to get to a million that I would do, right? Right. Those are the industries I would choose because there's so much money Mm. And I like money. All but do you love what you're doing? I love it. It's, it, it took me you're 10 years good. to find this passion. You're great. That's oh, all uh, that totally. I, I'm great. I, I'm happy. Yeah. It took me 10 years to find this, yeah. which is my passion. I'm just curious yeah. if you were to start again, what that would be. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Seriously, like, if, I've, if I had to do something for money, those would be the industries. Mm -hmm. If I had to do something for passion, I'd be really good at watching Netflix, mm. Amazon. <laughs> I love TV, you know, like, I love TV so much in my new house, I put a 100-inch TV in every single room, like, I love it. In my Seattle condo that I had, I had all my TVs connected, even in one in the bathroom, and it was fireproof, so I can brush and still watch the TV. <laughs> but, you know, that's my passion, is just watching TV. Wow. <laughs> no, no, seriously, he, you, wor he works yeah, and watches. No, no, you can ask Nate, like, he would come to my house, he's like, you're watching Korean shows now? That you're out of like stuff to watch? I'll read the subtitles. I'm like, yeah, there's no more English stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah. They were pretty good, right? Those Korean shows, the one in space? Yeah. Gotcha. Eric? This? I, I, like, anything that involves creating. Um, like, this is like meeting people. Podcasting is like meeting people. I think I would just do that. And being a creator is a cool thing now. And then I would just focus on YouTube. And like, that's it. In general, just advice on how to launch a podcast, because I think huge potential, but want to make sure that we optimize completely. If you have an email list, blast out to the email list, all social profiles. The easiest way to launch a podcast and get traction is, you're, you're saying people know him, he's well known, right? Yes. People like him? Yes. 
All right, have other really popular people join the first few episodes with him or you guys or whoever, and then get them to promote the episode when it goes live and make that part of the requirement to be part of it, and then you'll just get a ton of listens and subscribers right away. Podcasting's the hardest thing to grow, like, ever. Not um, really. I, I think it's the hardest channel that I've grown over the years. And so, like, we, we're doing a, a trade right now with Jordan Harbinger. He gets about six million downloads a month. Same thing for him, too. He's, like, the hardest thing to scale. But it's, we're doing an impression trade. So, Ben, you're really connected. It sounds like your, your friend is, too. And so what you can basically do with Chartable or Libsyn is you can set, like, an impression cap. So we're trading, like, 500,000 impressions with, with Jordan right now. I'm literally talking to a bunch of these people where we can do, like, these 500K trades. And that way we grow more. Because, like, what makes, like, if you want to grow an email list, like, probably want to get promoted on other email lists. If you want to grow a podcast, it makes sense to get promoted on other podcasts. HubSpot does this podcast network thing. And then they all kind of promote each other. You know, if you're starting out, it'll probably be really helpful if you're part of like a network or if you can form like a little syndicate on your own. What's your number one focus right now with your businesses and how are you building a personal brand right now? It's funny. So Neil and I talk about this all the time. Like for me, it's the main focus is the ad agency now. You get what you focus on. And so I, I've learned over the years, oh, like one second, I'm going to do this education thing. Then one second, I'm going to do this SaaS thing. And then I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And then it's like... It doesn't matter how good you are. The split focus just doesn't help. And like, who am I to think that, oh, I can compete with somebody else when I, like, my attention split like six different ways. So the, really the focus is on, on the brand building piece right now. So it's like, okay, how do we scale the podcast? Like we're trying to figure out you know, ways to you know, do creative deals where we can build it and get people that have been there done that. YouTube is like my number one focus on the social side right now. But, and, and then LinkedIn, because LinkedIn organic is just crazy. I've just learned over the years. It's like when I, when I focus, things just grow a lot faster and then continuing to hire people that have been there, done that. In general, outlook on e-commerce industry, right? What are you bullish on right now? What are things that are challenging? Just, you guys are experts in the field. Just would love to get your general opinion. I think it's gonna be really tough for the next 12 to 18 months. That's all I have to say. I'm bullish on e-commerce in general. It'll really grow in the, over the next 10 years. You just gotta be patient, take the long game, and don't worry what happens in the next year or two because it's not gonna be what you want. Yeah. And there's still a lot of customers to be had. There's no reason why you can't keep growing. E-commerce companies needs what you have to offer, so they don't really have a choice but to pay you when things are bad. Like, look, this helps you stand out and even do better, especially during these times you need it. Actually, Sarah, could you toss the mic to Ian over there? Ian just started at e-commerce. Raise your hand, Ian. Yeah, Ian yeah. should be paying yeah. you. Pretty insane just like how fast you can scale these businesses and like kind of my whole core thesis on D2C e-commerce is like how do you find non-discretionary consumer goods where you can apply brand to get outsized margins. And if you look at brands like Dr. Squatch, like, you know, they kind of created the, the market for organic soap. If you look at Manscaped, they took, you know, basically a hair razor, branded it for your balls, and, you know, made it funny. And now they went from 3 million to 300 million in three years. So, I mean, it's impressive growth, and they're going to IPO via SPAC for a billion dollars. So I just think it's pretty interesting to go after these product categories that, you know, everyone needs. You know, when you can get the outsized margins with brand, then you can pay more to acquire customers. I'm incredibly bullish on D2C e-commerce and, you know, platforms like TikTok, when you can crack those. When you look at, like, platforms like TikTok, there's a lot of B2B people that aren't participating there. So if you have a consumer product, you know, people that are trying to advertise for real estate or... Uh, investments or SaaS generally aren't advertising on TikTok, so it's just a less competitive marketplace. Doesn't your dad have like a McLaren in his living room or something like that? Uh, when on he, the beach? Yeah, when, he was just <laughs> <a> <laughs> but yes, there was an elevator that dropped into the entryway, uh, and he had a McLaren P1 there, so 
I don't know what you just said. I just know if you have a beach house and you have a car inside your beach house, you're rich. You're balling. Not even in the garage. This is like, I got a showing inside my car. How much in, in my house? And his dad probably spent a million dollars. And it's like, well, it's in your house. That means you can't even drive it, right? <laughs> like, good right. for him though. How often are you guys actually like sitting down and writing like articles or content? Or how much of it is like outlined and then ghostwritten? I'm curious how hands-on you are. I don't write anymore. The only thing I write is my, I write like a team newsletter each week. But like I, I do miss writing. My goal each day was to write like a thousand words in the morning and that worked well, but I just stopped, so. So what do you do now? Do you just like write outlines or the whole thing is- The only thing I write in the morning now is, so I set like an hour or so in the morning, maybe like 90 minutes to write stuff for LinkedIn or Twitter. But sometimes I just have nothing and I'm just like, I sit there, so yeah. <laughs> All articles, you just like have a different writer write them now. Yeah, so we have we have a bunch of writers that we use for for single grain now, but we've been yeah we've been using these people for like four, five, six years. Gotcha. So you already built that, but for your Twitter and LinkedIn, you're still yeah, trying to write them. So because Twitter is something like I my belief is like you can't outsource that. Like I was talking to so we work with a crypto exchange and was, I was talking to the CEO yesterday, and because like he was like he wanted to outsource. I'm like, dude, you can't outsource that, right? Because it's, it's, Twitter's like a stream of consciousness. Like Gary Vee doesn't outsource it. Like, and Gary Vee's not a good writer, right? He says it himself. So if you want to outsource like your thoughts, I don't know, Twitter just doesn't seem to make sense. If I'm writing it and there's in my voice, like that's when you'll get like the couple thousand likes or so. What would you do differently knowing what you know now in hiring someone to take over or build new services for your company? No, I, I think we did a really good job on hiring. I think that's one of the biggest key to our successes. The other key to success, and this wasn't part of your question, is when you hire people, if you want them to work out, truly care for them. Like I look at like employees as like family members, like literally like family members. And when they have personal problems, I'm there to help them. When things are going great, I'm there to cheer them on. When they're not happy with the work, I'm actually there to help them find a better job at another company that is a better fit. Like I really care for the individual and I want them to succeed. Or like even like we recently went to Hawaii. I took, we took our nanny, we took our cleaner and we took their kids because they never experienced Hawaii and they wanted to. But like for me, it's just like, I look at it as I'm a family. Yeah, they're a different race, they're different, born different place, never met their kids, but you know what? They don't have the opportunities. Like, if you truly care for people, I believe they'll work their tails off for you and they'll literally kill themselves to make the business successful. And don't care for them just because you want them to make you money, but care for them because you genuinely care for them as human beings and you just want them to do better in life. Kim and I were in this thing called EO, uh, EMP, so we, we did that program. And so we, we go for three years. And the first year, we had a mutual friend, um, Bob Glazer, who runs an agency called Acceleration Partners, he does this thing called the Mindful Transition. And like, this is not related to your question, but it, it, he kind of gave you an idea for it. But there's no like, if you really love someone, but sometimes they just cap out, right? They, they just can't get to the next level. There's this thing called the Mindful Transition where you, you talk it out with them. And this is assuming you have a good relationship with them, but instead of firing them and saying, hey, you know, you're, you're out, or them giving you a two week notice, it's like, hey, like, it's, it's clear it's not working right now. Maybe, you know, it, it can be like a, six week or eight week transition. It's worked really well for the people that like, I, I've had a really good relationship with. And then you, you don't get surprised at the same time too, right? Because sometimes it's clear that's just not working out anymore. It's time for them to move on to the next thing. It's been good, but don't ever do it on people that you don't have a good relationship with because then if they're just stuck there, it's yeah. like really bad, yeah. What is the most significant personal challenge that each of you have been through in your businesses and how did you deal with it? 
Well, what do you mean by personal challenges in our businesses? Like, what do we personally struggle with as we're growing our business? As, no, personal struggle, like as a human being, when, as it relates to life and business. But not like personal, like wife and family, correct? More like just like, what was the hardest Something part? Something within yourself. This doesn't compute for Neil. Um, so, yeah. so, so. It doesn't. He's right. I'm yeah. like, uh. yeah. I remember in the past when I first met Neil, I'd like try to talk about personal stuff, and he just like look at me, and he's talking about business again. But it's changed now since he's had kids. But no, I want to know about your journey and like the personal things. I mean, I think we all have to overcome personal demons as entrepreneurs. I know I've been through a lot myself, and I know everyone in this room probably has a reason why they got started as an entrepreneur. He must have more than me. I'm very like black and white and not as emotional and I don't see the grays much. And for me, the biggest thing that's helped me throughout my whole journey, because there are ups and downs and losing money and having people scam you, like I've been through all the stuff that most people have been through entrepreneurs. But I always remembered one thing, when times are going really well for you, there's always someone else who has it out better than you, you know? Like, yesterday we were at dinner and someone was like talking about them dancing and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know, one of my goals one day is to learn how to dance like Bill Gates. I don't know if you guys have seen him dance. Like, Mike's having a wedding coming up soon, I was like, I wanna learn how to dance like him. Like, if you can dance like that and not give a shit, like, life is great, you know? <laughs> he also has like hundreds of billions of dollars, so he really didn't give a crap of how he looked when he was dancing, but it was hilarious. But the point I was making at is someone has it better. If I do really well in business, no matter how big we are, I'm not Elon Musk, you know, someone always has it better. But when times are going really bad for you, you still have it better than 99.9% .9 people. You have food, you have water. And when you just think about it from that perspective, that people still struggle with food, water, shoes, clothing, like just think about that. So are you saying it, that you wish you could have told yourself that, like as you were No, scaling? I did tell myself that. And that helped me stay really level and right. just like continue. I'm not an emotional person, so I don't really. I can tell a story that to explain that. <laughs> we used to refer our leads out to another agency before we started our agency. Is this the agency? I, I always took the lazy man's route to money uh, until the agency. Then it was a lot of work. And there was one company that we re referred the leads to that was paying us like probably sixty to $80,000 a month in commissions. And one day they came to us and said, we can't handle the amount of revenue that we're closing. We can't hire fast enough. We're struggling. You guys have put us in this bind. Like, they kind of blamed us for it. And we're like, we want you to just cut off the leads. Don't send us any more. But we're also not going to pay you your commissions anymore either. And if you think in the worst case scenario that they're going to take, you know, that the, that the LTV of those customers is going to be four months, let's just say. It's better than that. But let's just say that they only last four months. That's still 60 times four is $240,000 that these guys are screwing us out of. And I was livid. And I went to Neil and I was like, we're suing these guys. And he, and he, Neil's response was, we're not doing anything. They probably need the money and that's why they're screwing us. And this is a learning lesson for you to really vet people well before you decide to go into business with them. And that's just, he wasn't even upset. Like he just, that's how he handled the situation. I'm, I'm super logical. I don't, I'm not that emotional. No, he has zero emotion. <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, it was, it, the, he, he, that's, that was his perspective. Like, these guys probably were in need of that money. So yeah. just let them have it and let's move on.
I'm always curious when businesses start, you know, how much of it is timing, like the window of opportunity was timing versus the right skill set and you know, the right team. So I'm curious in your two businesses, if you had to build it today from scratch, is the market different or could you just recreate what you have more easily given the knowledge you have? Guy Kawasaki says luck is your best bet when it comes to investor. Uh, and I look at luck as things like right timing, right place, things that you can't control, but also even if you have the right timing, right place, if you don't have the right team and all the other fundamentals, the business isn't gonna do as well as you really want. You kinda actually need everything, and that's a sad reality of it, versus just one or a few of the elements. So it's a takeaway there that you could recreate it, but it would require the same level of luck you had the first time? Or more work, or maybe you may, may not make as many mistakes the first time because you learn what not to do the first time, so then you can replicate it the second time there just may be more competition, so it could take more time, maybe harder to generate the revenue, but you also have some of the pitfalls to avoid because you've already done it before. Right. But that's a big mistake we see entrepreneurs make. If you ran a business, you made a shitload of money from it, and 10 years after you sold it, and then three years later you want to start it up again because you have no non-compete or whatnot, it's just not as simple as running the playbook again. Right. There's things that aren't in your controls. Maybe SEO is harder. Maybe paid ads are more expensive. Maybe YouTube's algorithm for organic reach is just cramped down, or same with Facebook or Instagram. So there's new things that you're gonna have to try and experiment with to try to make it happen. Because like when I started our blog 10 years ago, it wasn't as competitive. If I started one today, doesn't mean I can't make it work. It's gonna be much harder because of the algorithms, the competition, and a lot of other things. How do you delegate effectively to your team? The good thing about being trapped in a box like a Neil or a Darmesh is like, there's so much space to think strategically. And so oftentimes like he'll call me out of nowhere and we'll just talk for like an hour and literally he's just like giving thoughts. And then like he's refining his strategic thinking. And I think from there, like he's probably talking to other people too. So I think it's just having that space to think. Like for me in the morning, what I do is like, I, I spend like 30 to 60 minutes just walking, no, no phone with me, right? Just thinking. And then from there I can think about, okay, like what I need to take off my plate. Jason talked about the task prioritization chart. I can send it to you afterwards, but it's the whole concept of $10 an hour tasks, $100, $100,000 an hour tasks, million dollar tasks. Every quarter I'm trying to take off the 15% of things. I'll just look at my calendar and my, my EA will send me like a breakdown of my calendar on like what I'm spending time on. And I'll just look at like, like what I'm spending time on, like what actually makes me miserable and like what I want to stop doing. So yeah. There's one more thing that I want to add about delegating, and I know you didn't ask this, but we already asked your question. A lot of people here that I've talked to, and I don't know why it could be because Eric says I have no direct reports, have asked me about delegating. A lot of people don't want to have people report underneath them, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's also not always realistic, right? I'm able to do that, and this is going to sound bad, but when I started off this last business, I started off with money. You get what I mean? I had the luxury to do that. And also, people who tend to not want to have direct reports, when I've seen it work in most cases, tend to be really exceptionally good at one thing, right? I, I'm really good at one thing in life, at least in business, and I can do it better than most people, so no one cares if I just do that. And they're like, you just go do that, highest efficiency use of your time, highest ROI for the business, everyone else will take care of everything else. And that's what my co-founder did, because he's like, you're really good at driving traffic and leads better than anyone else out there. Just go do that. That's the hardest part in the business. Without that, there is no business. I'll figure out the rest. 
That's when delegation works really well if you don't want to do anything if or do a lot if you're really, really good at just one thing and that thing provides a massive ROI. All right, so that's it for this session. Hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested in learning more about the Leveling Up Founders private event, it's basically an annual thing where we gather the top founders and also the top speakers and ultimately just help each other grow our businesses faster. Last event was rated a 9.8 out of 10 and everyone said it was more so about the people. The speakers were amazing, but the people are even more amazing. So you can go to live.levelingup.com to learn more if you are interested and we will we'll catch you later. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.